Have you ever wondered what it would be like if your plants could sing to you? Like if your plants could make music? That concept literally blew my mind when Duncan Trussell was talking to me about it. And so he introduced me to his friend, Joe Patitucci. Now, Joe Patitucci is a sound engineer by trade, but also been down to the jungle and done ayahuasca, also a yogi, also a breathwork practitioner. And he figured out a way to hook up electrodes to plants and then have the changes that are going on in the plants translate by algorithm into harmonious music. So you can literally take your house plants and have them make music for you. And this concept is absolutely mind-blowing, and I can't wait to share this podcast with you. And if you're talking about plants, let's talk about the plants that are in alpha brain, right? Like, I wonder what those plants, if we could actually hook these electrodes up to these exotic plants that are all over the world, hook these electrodes up and be like, all right, what are you saying? Is it like, get focused, motherfucker? Maybe that's what the plants are saying, if we could translate those to words instead of sounds. And this is obviously transitioning into a commercial for Alpha Brain, which you guys have figured out. But I want to drive home the point that these supplements that Onnit provides, they are largely plant-based. And these plants can not only provide music, like Joe Patitucci is going to talk about, but they can provide tangible benefit. And that benefit has been shown in double-blind clinical research at the Boston Center for Memory. It's been shown to be a lot more than the placebo effect that plants and humans are actually designed to work in synergistic ways, and plants can be absolutely supportive. So whether that's supportive to relaxation or whether that's supportive to focus and getting shit done and executive function, all of these different things are extremely helpful. So if you haven't tried Alpha Brain yet, please do. Please give it a go. It's got the research to back it. It's largely plant-based. And it's really one of those things that you should just have in your toolkit. So go to onnit.com slash Aubrey and save 10% on Alpha Brain. You can get it in pills or you can get it in instant. If you don't like the pills, instant is like rocket fuel. So if you really want to get kicked in the ass, like go for the Alpha Brain instant. Again, onnit.com slash Aubrey and enjoy this podcast with Joe Patitucci. So, Joe, I've heard of people singing to their plants. Yes. But until I met you, I never heard the plants sing back to people. <laughs> you did the impossible, my friend. <laughs> you allowed plants to sing back their own melodies to us. Mm. Tell us about this. This, is, this was kind of one of the most mind-blowing things that I've witnessed in this past year. Yeah. So, uh, my company uh, developed this technology called PlantWave and it translates plant biodata into music. So what that means is we attach these two electrodes to a plant and we're measuring these subtle variations that are happening in the plant. It's um, mostly based on how much water there is between those two points. Uh -huh. And since a plant is a self-regulating being, that's varying. So that variation is graphed as a wave we translate the wave into pitch, and then I design instruments for the plant to play. So basically what you're hearing is mu a musical representation of the activities of a plant. Mm -hmm. Just the same way as um, you know, we're familiar with like data visualization. You see the weather, you see the different color clouds. This is taking the plant biodata and translating that into like real-time melodies. Mm. I think so often we think of plants as static and yeah. then you can use something like time-lapse and watch how the plants are moving and how the plants are going. Even in the Amazon, there's these trees. You've been down to the Amazon. We had this discussion before 
Uh, well, you actually went to a different jungle. Yeah, I wasn't in the Amazon. I was. I was actually. I worked with a shaman who was in Chile, but he is from the Amazon. from the Amazon. Yeah. Well, in the Amazon, they have these trees called walking trees, mm. and these trees will move with their root structures a couple meters in a year, I believe. Mm. Someone might need to Google that, but they're called walking trees, and they move like a significant amount of space. But it's too slow for us to see, right? So we just think of plants as static, and I'm sure we think of plants as like equally diffusing water and nutrients amongst all leaves, mm. like a like a homogenous plant. Mm. But what you're showing in the visualization through music is that's not the case. Plants are constantly maneuvering and changing their own biodynamics. Yeah, they're they're living beings, self-regulating to their environment. Um, yeah, I think the time lapse is, you bringing that up, like John Ott is the guy that invented the time lapse. And that was like, you know, one of the first times humans could actually see that process, like, it, you know, see that sped up and see that process. But um, yeah, I mean, a lot of us just think of plants as things, you know, we were walking around the airport, there's like a chair there and there's a plant there and there's whatever, you know, and it's like, mm -hmm. but no, these are living beings that are actually, they're responding to their environment. We are a part of the environment. There is, there's this exchange that's like always happening there. Yeah. The deeper you go, the more interesting it gets because, all right, so here's some of the things that plants do. One, their roots stretch towards a water source, mm -hmm. right? That's a kind of strange, intelligent feedback where the roots will stretch towards water, right? And we can kind of get that. Like, all right, that makes sense. But it's also like, if you really think about it, like, how do they know? Well, you know, <laughs> you know? part of how they know is sound. So I don't know if, if you, they've done experiments because uh, trees, you know, trees in cities, sometimes they'll they'll uh, burst pipes and things like that. And uh, some scientists discovered that they theorized that maybe they're going towards the sound of water. So uh, they experimented by putting little MP3 players underground with the sound of water and the plants, the trees grew towards that sound. Okay, so sound is a form of, obviously plants don't have ears, right? Co correct, <laughs> from my understanding of, of plant biology, yes. They I have no ear. I've ears. never seen an ear plant yeah. ever in my life. <laughs> I don't think one exists. But somehow sound carries a frequency and plants appear to be sensitive to frequency and the frequency that water would carry, they must somehow be sensitive to that frequency, right? Yeah, I mean like everything essentially is a vibration, right? So uh -huh. like sunlight is a vibration at a particular frequency or a spectrum of frequencies, right? Like everything is a everything has a frequency. So um, we all live in different bands uh, like all different different animals live in different bands of frequencies, different plants and animals, right? So the visible light spectrum is this big and we live in like the visible light spectrum that is this. But this also exists and this also exists. And for those of you just listening, Joe went from a wide hands to short hands and then hands on either side <laughs> of the spectrum here. Yeah, exa exactly. So like, yeah, there are all these different frequencies uh, and humans live on one frequency plane and other beings live on other frequency planes in terms of like... I think we live on multiple frequency planes. Yeah, of course, yeah. Kind of, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We have like our, our home base mm -hmm. kind of plane of frequency where we're like probably is the median range. 
yeah, from which we live. It's like the range that serves this particular reality, right? Because like you and I were like tuned into the material world right now because we like grew up in the maybe post. you bro <laughs> maybe maybe you bro <laughs> i don't know this it feels kidding. like a marble table um but yeah i mean like as humans like post-industrial revolution right we've been trained to think of like things as things and, and all this stuff and i'm sure a lot of societies have been trained to, to think in that way but um but yeah there are a lot of other ways to access uh reality right as, yeah as we've experienced I, I was talking to somebody who uh, was reading up on a theory, just a pure theoretical um, particle physics. And he proposed a theory as we're trying to understand particle physics as a field rather mm-hmm. than a fixed position for any kind of electron, right? It's mm-hmm. in a field. And then where you observe it, you find that in the field. Mm-hmm. He had this very funny, not funny, but really like mind blowing theory that there's actually just one electron and it makes this wild timeless journey like santa claus filling up all the chimneys but there's one electron and whenever you look for it you find that electron yeah at the same time i don't think that's probably true but but even still like particle physicists are still grappling with reality on this quantum level and trying to figure out like what does it mean that there's a field of possibility Mm -hmm. rather than a fixed position rather than a knock 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 here's a table mm-hmm. you know which we th- we think of as solid but when you actually start to go down into the you know vibrational frequency of each additional you know each atom on its own things start to get really interesting yeah i mean yeah it's, it's quite possible that it is all just it's all just a field and then wherever you shine your consciousness is you're creating like a ripple or a disturbance in that field and that's the thing right well, which then leads people to call it something like a simulation, which in that word, see any word that we use becomes just baggage that actually yeah. prevents us from understanding what it is, but can also be, you know, can also explain it in some ways, you know, but it's, it's so much as like the deeper you go, the more interesting it gets, you know, but that's going off course into realms that are probably far beyond our pay grade. <laughs> Let's continue to talk about plants. So all right, so plants will go towards go towards water, perhaps mm-hmm. because of the sound of water. So if you really want to fuck a plant up, just play water sounds <laughs> near it on one side, and you'll lead it to its own destruction. It'll be like the Pied Piper of plant of plant management. But it'll also move, as we've seen, like plants will move and find their way towards the light totally. as well, which is also a really interesting thing you'll see how trees grow amongst other trees like all competing for light in the canopy and trying to find a way that they can get that little bit of sunlight so they can complete their photosynthesis you know journey right the- yeah they also even give each other a little space i forget what it's called but there's like um they kind of have an there's like uh i'm not gonna i'm trying not to amph- anthropomorphize the language here but they kind of like know where the other tree is and where the edge of the other tree is reaching for light and they kind of like all give each other the space to be able to cooperative plants yeah yeah and then there's some there's some plants that are competitive Mm -hmm. yeah cooperation and competition even on the plant level Mm -hmm. what was really also interesting is there's a great documentary about the mycological network and how like through the mycelium and through plants will actually share nutrients through like the mycelium web that's underneath and Mm -hmm. underground through the root structure through utilizing this kind of cooperative relationship with fungus 
in order to actually share nutrients. And you, you know, Paul Stamets is in this documentary, a bunch of different people are a part of it. And you start to see this like very interesting plant intelligence, which starts to reframe our understanding of these beings. Mm -hmm. And it starts to get really wild. And then you can go to like from the spiritual bent, like both of us have worked with ayahuascaros. Mm -hmm. And this was a part of your origin. And we can talk about that too. But they consider these plants spirits, you know, and that's why they diet the plant spirit. They get a song from the plant and then they use the ikaro, which is the song of the plant in the healing journeys with ayahuasca, which is a combination of a multiple of these plants to kind of affect human consciousness through the utilization of not only the plants you ingest, but the songs that were in their mind taught to them by the plants. Those songs too, man. Like they just they I do know. the work. They work. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's the thing, just right? Just thinking like, of the songs, it's like I feel the, I, I feel a little bit, it's like a shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> And that's that's where, you know, experientially you can start to understand something that theoretically is like, what? The, mm-hmm. the, the plants taught them songs and the songs work, but then you're sitting down there and you, you drink a cup of ayahuasca and you listen to them sing a song, you know, like the difference between the Chirik Sinango Ikaro versus mm-hmm. the Lopuna Ikaro or something like that. Lopuna is like a big, steady, solid mm-hmm. tree. And they use that to like ground mm-hmm. a ceremony. If the ceremony is getting a little chaotic, they'll boom it's just like big old tree like blop here we are grounding nice. tree right and then chitik sinango like sorts out some of the challenges within a situation and helps you like see from other sides and come to resolution and then there's other all kinds of different songs that they'll sing that carry the nature of those plants through music hmm. which is like really mind-blowing to experience that and like i've only barely just peeled the veil behind the curtain of what these ayahuascaros are doing but you experience it and then you're like oh okay mm-hmm. there's some other shit going on here oh yeah so but in your in in your practice you know well in your technology you're showing just how active and that's what was really interesting about this the sounds that the plants make how active this water and nutrient transfer amongst these different leaves is yeah you know that's like because we're super active we're constantly pushing and excreting and moving things around our bodies totally yeah and it's it's happening on just like a such a micro level like we're really you know we're only sending we're sending what four and a half volts through which is you know if you think of a nine volt battery it's like half that right so we're sending just a small amount of electricity and measuring this these micro variations um so the these changes are just so subtle within the plant, but for the plant, they're big changes, right? So it's such a, it's such a more sensitive being. Uh, So what I really love about it is that when we listen to plant music, we're actually tuning into um, like the plant also is, is almost like a sensor for these other subtle things that are happening around us. Ah, that's where it gets also really interesting too. Yeah. So, so when you're listening to plant music and you spend time with plants, you can start to, when you might notice shifts in the music in relationship to shifts that are happening in your surroundings, uh, it's like environmental factors, thoughts, feelings, all, all sorts of things like that. So it, it can kind of, so whether or not 
that's exactly what's what the plant's responding to it can help you to tune into like a greater sensitivity of of your environment mm -hmm. that was one of the things so we met up and we were drinking some matcha and you brought your gear and we went outside the matcha shop and we put some plant we put some of the electrodes on one of the plants it was yeah. growing like uh it looked like some kind of nightshade plant or some kind of morning glory plant. yeah i think it was morning glory morning yeah. glory and so we put it on there and the plant was making a pretty you know peaceful and kind of consistent but kind of mellow song mm -hmm. of sorts and then you invited me to just hold my hands up and then put my consciousness and try and connect with the plant and this could be of course pure synchronicity right but nonetheless when i started doing that the the plant started making a much different tune yeah it was a lot more melodic like yeah. it, it, um you know the the notes are generated the notes are like basically you know generated by these these shifts in the vibration of the plant so at those moments of shift at those big moments of shift in the plant that's when you're getting these changes in melody uh so yeah that i i noticed that as well and i've seen that a lot i mean that's why i continue to do this like i started doing it like seven or eight years ago right and i just thought it was a fun project like cool i'm gonna make music from plant biodata because i just I'm not, I just wanted to remove my ego from the process of creating music. And, uh, but then I started to see that plants are responding to things in their environment and plants are responding to people, you know, and I would, I would be like, whoa, what's the plant responding to that person for? Who's that? And I'd walk over to them and tell them what's, what I experienced. And they would just be like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. I'm like, what do you mean it makes sense that the plant responded to you just because you walked in the room? And they'd say, well, I'm an energy healer and like, yeah, we're all connected and it's like, we're, it, we have a subtle energetic connection. And so I'm always cultivating this awareness of my subtle energetic body. So when I walk into a room with plants, it's like, of course we're all connected. Yeah. That, <laughs> so that, again, that thinks can sound so woo woo. Yeah. Oh yeah. And totally. it's like, it's like, yeah, whatever you guys fucking smoke another joint, yeah, you know, drink another cup of ayahuasca. Like, yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah like, we'll crazy. catch the next podcast, you know, <laughs> we'll, fi we'll find someone who knocks someone out for a living on mm -hmm. here and something that's real, you know, but then again, it's about the experience. It's about when, when I experienced that and you, you know, you were kind enough to uh, leave me a device when you came to visit in Austin and I've been playing around with it and finding not with perhaps a hundred percent accuracy, but a majority accuracy that when I put my intention to a plant that's hooked up to the device, I notice subtle changes in that plant. Now that could be confirmation bias where I'm looking for subtle changes. Mm -hmm. It could be, it could be, you know, I have to open this up. This is not a, you know, I haven't done a sample size and I haven't collected the data in a way that I know for sure yeah this is what's happening but you start to experience it and then it just starts to shift the way that you think about it at the very least yeah i mean at the very least it makes you conscious of the energy you're putting out into the world and the way that you're relating to your environment it's uh giving you this practice of of being conscious of and aware of the nature around you and we're actually being present with it instead of just seeing earth and all earth beings as these like passive objects for us to like extract value from, but instead mm. to stop and like, oh, I'm going to take time to relate to this plant in this moment through listening. 
I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast so far. So I have a lot of friends that decide to go keto. And recently I have my friend Maya who decided to go keto. But the problem is, is that she doesn't trust any keto desserts. Even though they're keto, she's like, no, 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 it's a cookie. It's a brownie. It's something like that. So she's trying to go keto without having any keto desserts. And I'm like, you're going to fail. Like you have literally no chance of doing this because I've gone keto. And one of the staples of going keto is the fact that I get like delicious things like cookies because being keto is like a little bit boring. You know, like you got avocados, you got maybe some egg yolks, you got some macadamia nuts, you got some coconut butter. But having a dessert that you can really look forward to and enjoy or making a shake That's huge. And that's something that Fat Snacks, F-A-T-S-N-A-X, that's what they've been providing me for a long time. I mix their cookies in all my shakes, and then they now have like brownies and blondies. So if you're interested in that higher fat, higher protein, lower carb kind of diet, or even if you're just going full strict keto and going super high fat without the extra protein, Like having fat snacks around is literally crucial. So please check out their website. It's dope and you're going to have awesome snacks available and you're actually going to have a chance at succeeding at being keto. And why would you want to do that? Well, I've never felt more clear than when I'm keto. Even if it's just a single meal and all I do is have my vanilla cookie shake with the fat snacks cookie in it, I'm going to be a lot clearer and sharper throughout the rest of the day, even if I'm not in full nutritional ketosis for a long period of time. It's just something I talk about in my book. It's something that I think is really important to avoid those blood sugar swings. So go to fatsnacks.com, F-A-T-S-N-A-X.com slash Aubrey. Check out their whole selection. I really love the brownies and blondies, and I really love their chocolate chip cookies. One of the things that one of my spiritual mentors talked to me about is one of his teachings is when you go to a place, and it's, and it's very much a practice of gratitude, but it also speaks to the energetic connection. So whenever you're encountering something, like let's say you're at the beach, you know, let's say you're on vacation, you go to the beach, and most of our entire attitude is, what is the beach going to give to me? Mm. The beach is going to give me ions. The beach is going to give me sun. The beach is going to give me a place to swim. But he's like, what if you shifted that and started asking the question, what am I going to give to the beach? Mm. What am I going to give to this hotel? What am I going to give to this, you know, some of these other things that you're normally just like, yeah, receive, receive, receive. You know, you put a house plant in your house and you can talk, read sleep books and read air quality books and you'll talk about all the things that the plants are going to give you. But how much time have you spent asking, ah, what can I give this plant? Mm-hmm. And maybe that matters too. And maybe that'll actually get you in the right mind state where it's been shown in all kinds of different psychological studies that the act of giving is one of the most healing and beneficial acts that we can do. Now, usually we extend that to people, right? Mm -hmm. Like the act of service to another person is one of the surefire ways out of a depressive state. If you can be of service to another, you're going to actually find yourself in a better state. And maybe we can do that with our environment that we're not even thinking is able to receive those kind of feelings of love or gratitude or energy. Yeah, I mean, even on a basic level, I mean, for me, I I actually didn't even have any house plants before I started making plant music. But since then, now I have like whatever, 40 house plants or something <laughs> right. in my little apartment. Uh, but what I noticed for myself is like, if my plants uh, aren't healthy, 
right? If they, if they're just like if I'm not watering them enough or something like that, it's usually I can use that as uh, kind of a mirror for my own self care, mm-hmm. right? It's like well, wait a second, the plants aren't doing that well. Oh, I I haven't watered them for a few days. Like oh, how am I taking care of myself? Am I drinking enough water? Like right. it's like because if you're taking care of yourself, then you're able to take care of other beings more. So just like that. The act of showing up for other people or other beings requires a level of self-care that just happens magically for us when we're focusing on the other. That's Mm -hmm. my my theory with it. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. You know, like if we're not if we're not in a state of abundance with ourselves then and we're in this kind of fight or flight reality where we're just basically patching things up duct tape and (laughs) band-aids and intoxication and whatever else we're doing to just barely get us through man it's going to be hard to keep a plant thriving in your house Mm because that's going to be the last fucking priority you have Mm -hmm. you know but if you're really nurturing and taking care of yourself if you're giving yourself the water and the sunlight and the breath and the and everything else then you're going to look at those plants like oh i got you buddy you know like Mm -hmm. i'll make sure i'll make sure you're you're good yeah you know so it's it is you know the the environment becomes a mirror for ourselves. we become a mirror for the environment it's like an old ancient mystic wisdom it's all here to we're here to be of service it's there to be of service there is no it and us it's we're all doing this exactly What, what was really interesting to me was to think about how plants might be one of the best instruments by which we could use to measure our consciousness and energy. Because mm. like, if you're trying to put your energy into a electrical device that's just measuring something without touching it, just putting your energy into it, and, and you can do that. I mean, we can measure our heart coherence, we can measure some other things that are actually going on, but, and that that's like what heart math is doing, and that oh, yeah. there's like a lot of different other things that you can do, you can do a, EEG and hook up your brain waves and obviously we understand that we can change our the patterns that are going on within ourselves but a plant isn't something exogenous something outside of us that we can actually use because it's living we can use to measure ourselves against in possibly the most effective way of any other device that we could conceive of yeah i think that's a really great point i think um and actually, we've been talking. Uh, we've we've been working with the Heart Math Institute uh, to make music for uh, for their heart coherence work. Mm-hmm. But we've also been talking about uh, how we can link those two things up at the same time. So, looking at the plant data and the heart data at the same time to see those to see those resonances. Uh, but backing up a little bit, um, my business partner John. Um, when we, before we met, he was working with uh, similar technology to what we're using with PlantWave, but uh, using it on humans. And he was trying to do, trying to like use the the technology as a sensor on humans. And then when he started to experience what I was doing with plant music, and we lived together for a bit, and he would do yoga with the plant, and he realized that just by listening that it seemed like the plant device was actually doing a better job of picking up these these shifts that were happening in his body than some of the the actual sensors. And the wearable sensors that he was actually yeah. wearing. Yeah, that's really fucking interesting. Yeah, 
It's wild. I mean that, and that's like, and that like him doing that was part of what, and then we started to actually like do um, a lot of our business planning and a lot of our idea generation. We would just have a plant in the room and we mm. would just have a conversation. And when we would hear a huge shift in the music, when something resonated with us and we were excited about it, we would write it down. We're like, okay, cool. That's the Whoa, idea. That's, that's what the people want. Or that's yeah. like in resonance <laughs> with our hearts or whatever it is, or like uh-huh. synchronicity, whatever the heck it is. That was like our Ouija board or our Oracle <laughs> for the direction. Yeah. And if that, you know, if that reality is shown, I mean, this is a new tech, you mm-hmm. know, and it hasn't been applied to the gold standards of all science and totally. sorted out. But if that new tech is able to be proven out in a way that's, and this is obviously very different, difficult because of the observer effects and all the things that change when you know something is being measured and it's a scientific study. I mean, lots of things shift when that happens, but the possibility, and I think it's an exciting possibility of like starting to show this. And if we can show this unequivocally so that we can remove all of this, you know, we're basically like, being very sensitive to people who are from a rigorous scientific background to be like, hey, look, look, this is our experience so far. But like, but if we could show this yeah. in, in like real double blind and like coercive, statistically significant data, that could be a real revolution in how people think about plants and therefore think about the earth and therefore think about our care of the earth. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to say I'm really careful not to make any like like bold claims about what this does because you know like so many people see what i do and they're just like that's the crazy plant guy and he said he's doing this and that and it's like dude like i'm a regular person just like making plant music because it's fun (laughs) and i'm spiritually oriented so i find spiritual growth in this practice uh but yeah i mean what you're saying about this being um like moving in this direction of of getting you know quantitative data on this is uh a huge priority for us. Um, in the previous product that we had, Midi Sprout, um, there were there were parts of it like it, it required batteries and all these other things. So it, it it wasn't set up as a device that could just like run for a long period of time. So you could just like keep it hooked up and just run it and do kind of scientific studies. Also, the uh, the power wasn't isolated from the sensor circuit. So you could get a little interference from, say, if the batteries were really low and other things. But with uh, with PlantWave, which we're building, it's uh, like all the stuff is isolated. It's even going to have um, a way to hook it up to like an oscilloscope and things. So it, it will actually, um, it's... Um, it basically like shows the graphs of okay. the waves. So um, scientists will be able to open up the box and hook it up to scientific equipment and use it. It'll actually be like a medical grade device, mm-hmm. uh, which is like a huge progression from what we were doing before and huge progression from there are other plant music things out there, but this is going to be just like totally next level. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I experienced was when I hooked it up to succulents, like I have some great San Pedro Huachuma stalks in my backyard, wasn't much going on. Mm-hmm. It seemed like the succulents had, whether it's just that they are slower, I mean, mm-hmm. they grow slower, they move slower, they re- they require less water exchange, you don't have mm-hmm. to water them nearly as much. Is that something that's just 
reflective of the type of plant that it is it's just there's less variation in certain types of plants than others yeah there definitely is um i've i've had i've experienced i've experienced san pedro sometimes to yeah be really quiet i've also experienced it making more having more patterns too um it might depend on what time of year what time of day you might have to clean the surface of it if it's dusty mm-hmm. if it's like outside mm-hmm. um but yeah for the most part uh, i work mostly with like a hardy tropical plant mm-hmm. something like a philodendron or a snake plant or a schefflera or yeah lots of plants that would live in the jungle like under the canopy because mm-hmm. they have a lot of water in them they can hold an electrode easily they're strong um and uh yeah and they they're pretty active yeah yeah, that's uh, that was where I got the best results. Whereas I have some snake plants in my house, and yeah. I was like, those ones would really would really sing. I want to talk a little bit about the musical artistry that's behind it. Yeah, because so if you're measuring, how many variables are you measuring? Is it just really the transfer of water and the con- conductivity of the? It's one variable. Um, yeah, it's uh, variation of conductivity over time. Mm-hmm and time in milliseconds right um and yeah so that 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 one variable has two types of math being done on it so one of them is basically uh one of them results in notes so it's the variation over time results in in, you know it's graphed as the wave and that's notes the other thing is the velocity in the change of that wave so what's that mean well, if you think of yourself like breathing slowly and you're chilling and then something happens and you start breathing fast right away, that's a big velocity change in a short period of time versus like I'm chilling now and I'm dancing like five hours later, right? So um, if there's a huge shift in the wavelength in a short period of time, that changes uh, control values, that changes like knobs basically. And then we map those knobs to different effects, or we can actually map those knobs to switch instruments. Mm-hmm. So that way, um, it's not just the plant selecting the notes, but you'll notice there are like subtle textural changes that are happening over time that allows it to sound like nice and 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 more musical. And also, the, those textural changes are telling a story of the data as well. Mm-hmm. It's telling you like how big of a variation that's happening in that, yeah. in that particular time. And I, I have to say that the way that you chose those different notes to represent those mathematical equations is really artistic. Thanks, I mean, man, because yeah. the, the plants sound great. I yeah. mean, it's like very, it's very peaceful and very relaxing Yeah, when you're listening to those. Thanks, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm here to do. So yeah. that's my jam. Yeah. <laughs> When you when you drank ayahuasca, as, and this was part of the origin, did you find yourself connecting with the plants in a different way from a from a spiritual plane at that point? Um, it's interesting. So because like definitely ayahuasca was a part of the journey of bringing plant wave to life, but I had been do, I had been listening to plant music. I had been creating plant music for probably like five years before I did ayahuasca so and I'd been doing breath work for like three years mm-hmm. so I feel like and I yeah and I also had done a vipassana so between all of those things I felt like I was like pretty grounded 
I was both grounded in myself and I was sensitive. So I think my first feeling of like walking around feeling like the world is singing to me is after I started making plant music. And then I was just like acknowledging every tree and acknowledging all of that exchange. It's always happening. Um, For me, ayahuasca was just more of like an intense body thing. And also like a deep spiritual, like slaying demons with love vibe (laughs) too. Um, There's, yeah, I mean, for me, it was like, uh, for me, ayahuasca was more about uh, showing up in love through like total fear and uncertainty or like wildness. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so that, that, that's what it was for me. And, and it also, yeah, it was a really healing journey for myself and for my business partner. Cause we were in, um, we were going through some like negotiation stuff and we were able to work a lot of that out, yeah. um, through there. So, uh, I would be curious to, you know, to have you cultivate an experience where, cause a lot of times ayahuasca is done in Maloka, which is pretty free of plants even though that there's plants all around mm-hmm. but i know that there's some people in certain situations daytime or nighttime where you're drinking ayahuasca just outside around the plants wow. and like that would be a really interesting experience to be blasted on a full cup and you know i've definitely walked outside and mm-hmm. seen the plants and the plants are all glowing with this like mm. white crystalline light like everything was like the kindest weed bud you've ever Mm -hmm. seen but it was every leaf and every stem and everything was like glowing back at me and i was like whoa Mm -hmm. what kind of fucking avatar world did i just step into Mm -hmm. and it'd be interesting for you someone who's tapped into that to try and kind of look at plants in that way because even looking at plants in that way without even being able to hear them although you know presumably ayahuasca is a combination of plants that is for sure spoken to me in a variety mm-hmm. of different ways not sung to me in any way although this as i said the songs of the plants through the shamans have i've heard but to to see them to hear them to just look at them in that way it just um it just recalibrates our understanding of the unicity of like us being a part of the source that is all things of life itself capital l life Everything is, every being is here to be a messenger, right? It's it's like up to us to receive the message. Mm-hmm. So we can receive the message by, um, by partnering with a being, be it a plant or animal, and taking it into our body and, and becoming uh, this new form and doing it that way. We can receive a message by listening to plant music. We can receive a message by staring at the light through through trees like there's just so many ways of receiving messages from the world around us if we allow ourselves to actually smelling the the plants yeah smelling yeah and it's just being present with the experience and allowing the experience to be a messenger Mm -hmm. have you thought about you know if we're talking again about kind of quantify you know quantitative data have you thought about studying the effects in humans that happen when you listen to plants? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there have been a few research institutions that have reached out to us about this. So with the new device, we're hoping to get this 
out to uh, out for more research. But yeah, the, I, there's a lot of evidence for you know benefits like healing benefits of certain kinds of music uh, in hospitals, and um, you know a lot of our users report like feeling more relaxed and more connected, more inspired after listening to plant music. So we want to get that out, um, get that out into research institutions so they can start to do that, those kinds of experiments for themselves. And mm-hmm. like, it is having a plant in a hospital with plant music and, and giving patients, like cancer patients or whoever, like the ability to go and, and connect with a plant through music, is that something that will speed the healing process for people like those are those are the kinds of things that we'd love to explore so if there's yeah, people out there you know me- even measuring quarter co- cortisol levels mm-hmm. pre-operative anxiety yeah you know that's something that you could definitely measure yep. i mean they've tried to do that um with some conclusive studies and some inconclusive studies using like binaural beat technology but that's working on repatterning the brain waves yeah through different frequencies and the beating of music that's slightly misaligned. I mean, I use binaural beats to help me get into like a meditative theta state myself, and I find it to be incredibly effective. Mm-hmm. But it would be, I, I remember one of the studies on that is preoperative anxiety. So mm-hmm. like listening to this, and I wouldn't be surprised if listening to this other kind of being that is, in some ways you know i think of i have a strong belief in what i would call source right you Mm -hmm. can call it god if you want but source being like the ever-present unicity of life that's connecting all matter and all things particularly the living things but also the inanimate things as well living things just seem to have more more of a spirit that seems to be uh attached to them in some way or like connected to them in some way um but yeah i mean it would be it would be really really just it's just exciting honestly it's exciting the the prospect of taking these spiritual beliefs and then starting to apply technology to help illuminate some of these things that we can feel you know but really can't access and can't can't communicate with yeah it's time man i mean like yeah uh, our particular um, way of developing technology as a society has like really served us in having material comforts that are great and it's great. We're like sitting here, we have heat and, and stuff and there's lights. Um, but there's there's also something as we continue to evolve as humans and to survive and thrive as humans on this planet and beyond this planet like we need to change something because we're like just we're just ripping we're just we're just consuming 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 yeah right? what can the plants do for me rather than what can i do for the plants yeah yeah and if we can take more responsibility and more ownership of how we're showing up in the world and instead of just like needing to get something to fix something for ourselves if we could think about how we can be more sensitive and how we can, um, yeah, and we, I, I don't even, I'm not even sure exactly what it is, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of people out there that are like super sensitive for whom th- they're treated as if they're crazy because they're just too sensitive. Mm-hmm. But what if that sensitivity is actually a gift? Mm-hmm. And what if, what if um, those people just aren't valued because they're not, they're not like fitting into what serves the 
generation of goods, right? And the production line, like, like if you're if you're an artist, right? Like people are like, oh, you know, some people are like, oh man, my kid's gonna be an artist. They're not gonna be a lawyer or whatever. Like, screwed. Yeah. Like, what if the <laughs> right? Right. It's a very it's yeah. a very strange thing where yeah. there's no tribal. There's no tribal structure anymore. Mm. It's just everybody out for themselves. We all got to make our own money unless you're in a in a romantic, intimate dyad in which you're taking care of somebody else and you have some kind of codependent thing. But there's very little shared commonwealth of goods that allow somebody who's like, yeah, my purpose is hugs, massages, and songs, and like that's what I do. But I'm not good enough to make an LP and like tour with Ellie Golding, you know, but like I'm here for this community and that's what I can do and that's what I can offer. And somebody else is like, well, I'm fucking really good at trading stocks. So I can make enough money that we can live in a cool place where you can sing and you can cook and I can make money. And like those kind of cooperative, more tribal organizations, I think are really how we're designed to be, where yeah. not everybody has to go out and fend for themselves and make all the money on their own. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild because like right now, I mean, we all have all the resources. There's all the software in the world to allow you to run your own business and run every part of your business. But if you do that as an artist, like you can really get caught up in just like being in QuickBooks or something like mm -hmm. that. But yeah, there, I think there's there's something that's happening. There definitely is this like reorganization or something that's 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 happening that I I love what you're saying there. Yeah, where people yeah. just are allowed to serve the medicine that they're here to serve without trying to shoehorn them into like, okay, you have to, you can, yeah, serve your medicine if you want, but it has to be something that you're going to get paid hard dollars for, mm -hmm. you know, otherwise you're worthless in the eyes of society or your parents or whatever else, you're you're dependent. And then so you, you internalize that and you get ashamed about it, like, oh man, I just suck. Yeah. Maybe you don't suck. Maybe you're awesome and just perfect, but you're just not good at doing something that's going to get you paid yeah. from the world. Yeah, I think we need to kind of recalibrate or, or create a new understanding around what it means to create value yes. for humans. Right? Yes. It's not just about um, you know generating more revenue for the company in the next quarter. It can also be about, um, you know, it could be as simple as like making sure everybody around you is having a good time mm -hmm. or like it could be um, it could it could just be like creating beauty or there are like so many things that are important to our lives that aren't quantifiable that are valuable. But the way we have kind of created this society, the way what we've built it around is specifically like creating material value and mm. creating money um and like i said that's great for like we're comfortable right but th then what's next so what's next is like oh because that material comfort and the resources for material comfort are finite so but there's something else within us that's infinite mm. right and creativity inspiration all of these things so if we start to put our put a little bit more value into that which is like infinite then we can really start to enjoy life more we can have like 
we can really support each other more. Yeah. We can just have like a more harmonious, beautiful world. All right, everybody, it's still winter. And because it's winter, people are sick. They're not feeling well. They got scratchy throats. They got all kinds of things going on. So there's certain products that you just need to have to make sure that you're as comfortable and that you're getting well as soon as possible. And one of those products is Beekeepers Naturals Propolis Throat Spray. Like this is something that just goes with me absolutely everywhere I go. So it's beekeepersnaturals.com slash Aubrey and you enter the code Aubrey for 15%. And the reason why you're gonna wanna do that is that propolis is what the hive uses to support the immune system of all the bees. It's like the bodyguard for your throat that's in a bottle. There's like 300 beneficial vitamins, minerals, compounds. It's just great for you overall and the way that it coats the throat and the way that it feels like if you wake up in the middle of the night and something's bothering you you spray some of that you're just going to feel better so once again go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash aubrey save 15 percent, or enter aubrey at checkout and thank you so much for supporting the podcast it means everything i have one friend in particular that comes to mind when i think about this and you can add her to any situation and the situation is dramatically improved. <laughs> like no matter what the situation is, I am a happier being when she's around. Now, there's we're not in a romantic relationship, so it doesn't make sense for her to live with me or anything like that. And so, but nonetheless, like in every possible situation that I can uh, that I could imagine, be it Burning Man or be it a dinner or be it a lunch or be it a anything, like when she's around, I'm a happier person, which makes me more productive, which makes my life quality go up, which makes all of these things go up. And it's not even so much what she does, it's just her ability to be present and the energy that she's putting out, her vibration is this like soothing, healing, funny, fun vibration to be around. So in a tribal sense, like if I'm forming my tribe, like my team tribe, like, all right, like I'm pretty good at making money, um, you're pretty good at making everybody around have a more awesome life experience, which will then help them make money because they'll be happier and more energized and their lives will be better. But to try and like convince her, like, actually you have a superpower that's just as good as anybody else that's making money. She's like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Like, I got to get out and figure out how I'm going to make money. I'm like, I get it. I mean, I get it. You know, like that's the, that's the rules of the game but the rules of the game are fucked because yeah. like in an ideal situation, you would just be around everybody all the time and just doing what, just being yourself, showing us all how to enjoy life in the most radical way. And that would be of greater value probably than most of us who are good at making money, but kind of don't make a situation any better <laughs> when, yeah. we're, when we're in it. Totally. It gets really interesting too with like, um like in relationship too right because there's like there's this like everybody like now it's like everybody works right and everybody has to con everybody has to contribute like from this place of of like contributing monetarily to the family unit and stuff like that um but like yeah what if one person like is like like home dad or home mom or or whatever like um, you know, there's, there's like a stigma to that for, for some time, right? Like that's like not feminist or that's, you know, or, or whatever it is. Right. right. Um, like women should get out there and work 
to create value for the household as if they weren't creating value for the household by being at home I know. or as if a stay at home dad isn't creating value for the household. But it's this, I, I think um, like Charles Eisenstein, mm-hmm. um, I, I met him what, like a year and a half ago and he was talking about this kind of thing where it's like, everybody talks about like the value Nelson Mandela created, right? Like we all know what, what he did um, for South Africa and, um, but nobody considers the fact that his grandmother, he always credits his grandmother as his like bi- biggest inspiration. And his grandmother wasn't like a world leader or anything like that. But his grandmother, like by being his grandmother, like actually changed the world. <laughs> right. But like we don't look at it that way. We look at it as like there's this cult figure. And, and like, and right now the cult figure is the person that is earning the most money in the household or that's like earning the most money for their company or who has the biggest company yeah. or whatever. And it's like, there just like needs to be this shift. The right? scales of reciprocity are all way off in our own mind. Like the fact, like we just way overvalue money. Yeah. Like we way overvalue it and it becomes like the priority thing. Well, I'm providing the money. Well, you're being an asshole <laughs> most of the time, right? So you're providing money because you're really good at one particular skill that the world rewards with one particular type of reward, which happens to be monetary. Congratulations, good for you. But are you making like everybody around you feel better, feel happier, be like are you empowering them? Are you but but again, money money wins. And you'll see it in relationships too. You'll see in relationships where you know, somebody, whoever is the breadwinner, and it doesn't, you know, certainly doesn't have to fall under gender lines Mm -hmm. at all. It could be either way. Um, I can think of an, I can think of one particular relationship where, where one of the, one of the people in the relationship happens to be the man in this instance, super good at making money. He's also a great dude, but you know, his partner is unbelievable at, a variety of different skills that don't harvest the same kind of money from the world, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what it's it's singing, it's energy, it's the way that she's just the way that she can carry and hold a space and all of these other things. And like there's tension in the relationship of like, well, you're not contributing. You're not contributing to the house in the same way. Yeah. And you're bullshit. like <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, would he even be able to do what he does if she didn't have these like superpowers? Right, like, exactly. What if we actually like recognize the power of the feminine yeah. as the feminine and we're like, holy shit, like, yeah, I'm making bank and my babe is just like a fucking superpower making like crystal grids and give me Reiki and I come home and then the fucking next day, it's like all of a sudden all these fucking clients just fall on my lap and it's like it's not like they're falling on my lap because i'm a fucking because i'm the fucking (laughs) best businessman maybe it's because i have a fucking like shamanist wife or whatever that's just like totally fucking hooking up the universe for me yeah like what yeah why not exactly let's live in that world that is the fucking world you know (laughs) it's just we've got it we've got it twisted and it's this overvaluation of the monetary contribution yeah and it's just it's this Dysto- it's this mild dystopia that we're exacerbating through our actions and belief systems where we've been conditioned by the world that that's the most important thing. And I, I look forward to the time where that starts to unwind. Yeah. 
Well, it's kind of like this unbalance. I mean, it's part of the whole like kind of like patriarchal thing, right? Like if it's like, if there's so much value that we place in the, like in the masculine, but we're not recognizing the value that the feminine provides, then all of a sudden we want all the, all the, we want everyone to be masculine, including like Mm -hmm. people that could be like feminine goddesses, whether they're male or female or whatever. And it's like, it's like we're, like men particularly, they're like stripping themselves of the ability to like receive this like amazing goddess energy and from and feminine. value it equally. Yeah, you know, and that's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been really working on trying to cultivate these kind of more tribal concepts, and we have this. It's something I'm imagining for my fourth book. I'm about to write my second book, so it's down the road, and it certainly hasn't exactly worked out you know super good yet except with like a very tight nexus but it's not just males and females again this is not on gender lines exactly. like even someone like you know my best friend is his name is kyle kingsbury and he's really good at podcasting he's really good at optimization and stuff but he's not a guy who's built for like an office job or like creating funnels or building courses or like doing those kind of mm-hmm. things that would actually harvest the resources but he is the type of guy who, and this is a literal story, who read about the somebody who did a 30-gram mushroom journey, which Whoa, shit. is a lot of fucking mushrooms, it's a right? a 6X uh, yeah, this is, And journey. I am not recommending this, but he is one of those <laughs> special individuals that, and so I was thinking about it, and you know, I'm very obviously very generous with all my closest friends because I have this kind of tribal mentality where I've been very blessed that... Yeah, it's not only money that I can contribute. I understand that, but I'm also adept at you know doing the things in the world that have a monetary value. So I've always been super generous with like people who I know are contributing value. But there's no fucking chance I'm ever going to do a 30 gram mushroom journey. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. Yeah, no fucking way. I took a half gram the other day. Yeah, and I was like, God damn, this is work. You know, I was like, <laughs> I'm like fucking scratching my neck, yeah. like, whoo, you know, like. And he did 30. Yeah, wow. You know, like, and granted, the half gram was like a really strong strain, but that's still like, we're talking like levels, levels and levels. Yeah. But he was able to harvest information and downloads and wisdom from that that will change the way that I look at the world in subtle ways forever. So that brought an insane amount of value to my life. He was able, he's, was able to reach that state. So what is the value of that? I don't know. It's really high. It's really high, but yeah. no one's going to pay him to do 30 grams of mushrooms and give his downloads, you know, and like express that experience. But that is something that is of great value. And it's just like a shaman, you yeah. know? I mean, it's like in, in a village, the medicine man or the shaman, a lot of them would drink ayahuasca five, six nights out of the week yeah. and provide that. And they would be taken care of by the tribe for that particular skill, but they weren't expected to, you know, be on the trade routes and like, cut all the lumber and do whatever the fuck else he yeah, had to do exactly. and there's like no this guy he can do this thing and that thing is of great value to our people <laughs> yeah it sounds like he went on like a biz dev trip to the fifth dimension like exactly, you know it's just like dude. cool we'll send you out there to collect information <laughs> i mean that's like that's what a lot of the shamans were about or that's what like ayahuasca for some for some people is about right is you're sending people to like the brink of death and it's like, tell us about it. Yeah, you either <laughs> some, like for some for some people, it was like you either like you might die. 
um, or you might come back with valuable information, but like go and get the valuable information and come back. Yeah. So it's like your business partner, if he's going out there, he's going to the edges of consciousness to get some information to bring back to the business. I mean, that's like, that's like a legit, that's yeah, and it's, legit it's even, even just the friendship, right? Yeah. I mean, we're like, we're loosely in business through a couple of things. Our mastermind, we coach together and we work together a bit on it. But that was more just in service to my spiritual growth mm-hmm. rather than even my business growth. But it's like that, that, has a, that has a tangible value. So when I look at, you know, when I look at that, it's like, wow, you know, like the universe should reward that service of him going to that depth because please don't everybody go and think that you need to go do this 30 gram (laughs) journey you know like he was of the particular type of constitution courage and calling that he was called to do this and what he found on that side was remarkable and you know you can tune in and listen to him tell the story i think ryan did he tell that story on his own podcast with east forest or Okay, so if you're interested in his and what he learned, you can listen to his podcast with East Forest that'll be out at who knows when, sometime. Um, but, but that's just a, an example that crosses over those kind of gender lines of somebody who did something that there's, I mean, I guess, okay, you could hypothetically say that maybe there'll be more podcast downloads from him telling the story and in some way, you know, that'll increase like the advertising, whatever, we're talking like, maybe okay he spent this much on mushrooms and maybe he makes that much back in long-term growth because he did this story right but regardless he wasn't paid for that mm-hmm. nor should you do it because you're paid for it yeah like if, if you got like you shouldn't be paid to do that you have to be called this is scary like fucking treacherous treacherous landscape that yeah. and he and it was harrowing he went through like five cycles in eternity that he felt like eternities of hell that he had to reconcile right so but that has that has value. So when I think about our friendship and I think about when he's like, hey man, I want to buy my first home, you know? And I don't think about like, well, what have you done for on it? And does that make sense? Or like, what have you done for our business? Have you contributed enough money that I would want to give you this money? I'm like, well, maybe not, but you did do those 30 grams of mushrooms at one time and that was pretty fucking impressive and I learned a lot and I don't ever have to do that because you did it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, it's so beautiful, man. So like that's a, just a different way to think about like how we're contributing yeah. to each other in life. Yeah, it's so important. I mean, I'm so it's, I'm so happy to hear that, that that's like, you know, that, that that's happening, you know? That's it is, beautiful. yeah. And yeah. hopefully like through this spread of ideas through podcasts like this, people will start to understand like that's more of a real thing mm-hmm. you know that's more of a real thing i want to go and i know we're just crossing the threshold of our time limit here but what is this does this make you think any differently about veganism in any way um so i'm an omnivore mm-hmm. uh and uh yeah it's really funny though people always they're like wait you eat you eat animals i thought you were the plant music guy like as if like i I don't know why but they just think like that since i'm like a hippie or something that (laughs) i wouldn't eat animals uh but yeah i mean to me everything is conscious right so like um plants animals um even like i mean the earth itself is like a being right um uh so to me everything is conscious and so it's not about what you're eating as much as it's about how you're eating it or how you're how you are acknowledging it Preach. as you yeah Preach. so i mean yeah you. so for me it's like when i eat a meal i stop i like before i eat i acknowledge 
all the beings that are a part of it. I thank them for for being there. I also like if there is uh, an animal product in the meal, like a lot of times I'll just like say, hey, like any suffering that's happened, like it's over. We're, do- we're, we're together now. We're coming together. We're doing this together. And it's like I'm also recognizing like there isn't really there, like this idea that there's a me and I'm eating that. I'm going to eat that cow. Like, yeah, it's like, no, it's like, I, I don't know. I'm an experience and I have a body, but like this body is an amalgamation of all these other experiences and other beings that have been ingested by the previous version of the body that is now a new body, you know, or it's continually, continuously evolving. So when I have a meal, I acknowledge it as kind of, as like this partnership of co-creation of something new and that that being is like merging with this being and together we're partnering in a direction right so it's kind of like acknowledging that not only the the being but also the energy in the food source right uh as like going through this vessel in a direction so I'm always like looking at it in that way as a process because I'm a process, you're a process, mm-hmm. the being's a process, and now we're like co-processing together. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think that's that's exactly how I think we should look at it. I think your point of it's not what you're doing, it's how you're doing it, which is like the most important takeaway from all this. Like, yeah. how are you consuming a plant? How are you, I mean, any you talk to any of the shamans, again, who have these deep, the deepest reverence for the plants of mm-hmm. any you know any class of people i've ever seen and before they'll harvest any leaf harvest any bark harvest any tree they get in spiritual contact with the plant and they ask permission they're like can i take this leaf can i take this flower can i take this bark can i take this tree you know and they'll get and they'll wait for the sign back from that and then they'll wait for permission and they'll like kind of find their spiritual energetic accord with whatever that thing is and I think as we see plants more as living beings rather than living things, then I think it can shift our understanding and being like, all right, yeah, there's animal things, there's plant things, there's fungal things, there's human things, there's inanimate things. But potentially, if you have this animistic kind of mindset, which a lot of the shamans do, they're all beings. You know, they're all beings that are taking manifest form, like whatever is here in the physical has some other resonance in the astral in the other dimensional everything is this kind of interdimensional entity to some to some degree and whether you subscribe to that or not i think it's the right way to look at things and then it it shifts your bias between like oh well i'm better than you because i only eat this class of beings mm-hmm. you know like you're still eating beings bro yeah totally <laughs> like you're eating beings you know whether they're okay so you're only you're only comfortable eating with beings that can't like make faces <laughs> you know like oh, that's fine if you like whatever you want to do is fine but just recognize that you're still eating beings and we're all consuming and co-experiencing the merging of these beings to create the proliferation of our being or you know mutually of different beings and so i think it can just kind of shift and, and level the playing field a little bit because hunters talk about it all the time like They'll talk about people are just horrified at the thought of eating a dog because a dog has personality. Mm -hmm. 
you know but if you can you can eat a a cow because a cow has you know much less personality or something like that you know and it's like but they're all living mammal beings that still have pain and still love the thing but we have this kind of bias towards and i'm not saying that the bias is wrong and i'm not saying we should eat dogs or anything like that but Mm -hmm. i'm just saying it's just good to be aware that everything is a being and you can decide where on the spectrum you're comfortable with and what you want to do but more importantly than that it's like how you go about it yeah i think that at the end of the day like the the judgment around it is just like it doesn't really help right right i mean it's it's i think it's I think it's valuable for us all to be discerning in our own way based on our own values, but to like judge other people uh, based on it one way or another, just like it's not really helping. No, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's really yeah. helping either. And and I think and I think it is it is everybody's sovereign decision to decide. Yeah. Like maybe it is just like all right, I only eat beings of this category of you know this category of organization yeah and those are plants and like if that's your spiritual belief like all the power to you great totally no no big deal and if it's like i only eat fish because they have an organizational structure of being that is suitable to you and obviously there's dietary things we're not even going into the nutritional profile environmental things other considerations but when you're talking about from an ethical standpoint again excluding environmental concerns which there's a lot of raging debate about particularly Mm now but just i think just categorizing all things as beings is is important and being thankful for all beings so don't just thank the you know grass-fed beef on your plate or whatever meat is on your plate mm-hmm. like thank the spinach too mm-hmm. <laughs> as i guess like the the only takeaway that i'm trying to get to here is like thank your spinach fucking thank your broccoli and thank your meat and and also there's an opportunity to look at how the other beings um like what what they have to say um, like and I, like when i have i'll have like oatmeal in the morning sometimes and i'll just um tune into like oh okay oatmeal oats or like this tall grass and then like tuning into um okay cool tall grass like blowing in the wind like flowing flowing with it and like okay cool so that's that's an energy this like flow is that's an energy i'm going to bring into my body that's like that's a mindset that I'm programming myself to take into my day through uh, having this meal, right? Mm-hmm. Or then also like it's grounding and it's also flowing, it's blowing, it's blowing in the breeze. So I think there's there's ways of like, there's ways we can be creative. We can use this experience of having a meal to also exercise our creativity and our imagination and to exercise uh direction for our day right and say saying like how we want that to be expressed in our own lives through our being beautiful beautiful well if people want to hear their plants sing to them what do they do go to plantwave.com we just uh launched our pre-order so uh yeah really psyched we had uh, amazing amazing turnout for our kickstarter so plantwave is going to be coming out in 2020 so you can go to plantwave.com and check it out Love it, man. Yeah. This is a beautiful conversation. Thanks for cruising your bike down yeah. here and uh, and sharing all of this information and tech with all of us. It's, it's fucking rad. My pleasure, Aubrey. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, beautiful. Awesome. Thanks so much, everybody. Peace. 
So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast with Joe Patitucci. And once again, if you're interested in hearing your plants play music, go to plantwave.com. It's pretty rad to hear your plants giving something like that back to us because they're actually always giving us stuff, whether we're eating them, whether we're you know, getting the air quality that they're improving. You know, our relationship with plants is something that we should be grateful for. So even if you don't hear your plants play music for you, give them a little gratitude because they're necessary for human beings to just even be alive, period, on this planet because they're changing the air quality, giving us oxygen, giving us food, giving everything that we need. So give a little love to your plants. And I love you as well, just like your plants love you. And I'll see you next week.